Hey guys, welcome back to Esthetician on the Edge, the podcast. How's your new year going so far? Have you had any um, crazy, awkward gift card clients in yet? But I love that guys use us as a fallback gift when they run out of ideas. I mean, she doesn't wash her face the entire year. And then you hook her up with a two-hour treatment at the spa. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to work out for you. If uh, if the two multicolored personalized vape pens are any indication, you, you might have scored more points with the gift card for some e-juices. Is that what they're called? I think that's what they're called. Anyway, I'm getting off track. On today's show, I'm going to go over some spy etiquette, talk at length about vitamin C and the wonder that it is. I'm going to review a tool that everyone is familiar with, and we're revealing our very first Pam of the Week, or show, or Pam of the whatever you want to call it. We're revealing a bitchy Pam this week. But before I get into the actual show, can I please, please share a Pam story with you? I'll make it quick, I promise. So I had a Pam show up on my schedule about a week ago. She is not a regular Pam. She's more of a a sporadic Pam. I don't see her a lot, but she leaves an impression each time she darkens my door. I dedicated an entire page to her in my client burn book. And if you don't have a burn book for your clients, go get one. It's fun to look someone up and see things like, this bitch tested my gangster with her attitude and she smelled like onions. Or uh, next time, just fuck her up so she won't come back. Get a burn book, ladies and gentlemen. It helps me put on whatever face I need to deal with these hookers. Okay, back to my Pam. She shows up for her appointment and she somehow manages to look superior and like Eeyore at the same time. It's a skill. I noticed she has a bit of a cough, but hey, it's that time of year, and it doesn't seem to be real phlegmy, so no big deal. Within minutes, she's on my table, I'm cleansing, and the steam is steaming. And her cough kind of picks up a little bit, and y'all know that that steam can turn like a small tickle in the back of your throat into an outright tuberculosis fit. So I offer to turn the steam off. She declines, but she does ask if I can get a cough drop out of her purse. I do, I hand it to her, and we continue on. Now, during skin analysis, we decide to do just a basic, you know, relaxing facial because that's what her old wrinkled ass wanted. I turn my light off. I turn around to grab product. When I hear, excuse me, do you know the Heimlich Maneuver? I'm totally not playing with you when I say, I thought maybe someone else had stepped into the room because somebody had to be choking to death in the hallway. Nope, it was this little northern transplant hellion that was lying on my table, looking up at me impatiently. So I answer, um, no ma'am, I I don't know the Heimlich maneuver. Well, how am I supposed to relax if you don't know it? What if I get too relaxed and this lozenge slips down my throat and gets stuck? You won't be able to help me, and I could die. What? (laughs) so i ignore all of the the drama i grab a four by four and i tell her hey if it's that big of a worry you can spit it out and i'll throw it away she looks at me like i had just asked her for her uh credit card number well i don't want to waste it i guess i'll just forego relaxing and she plops her goggles back onto her face and i shit you not She crosses her arms over her chest like a fucking kid. And you know what? (laughs) She foregoed the hell out of relaxing. 
and made zero effort to hide the foregoing and clacked that damn tiny cough drop around in her mouth for a solid 45 minutes to keep me aware that she was in fear of her life. We finally finished the service. I walked her hateful ass up to the front desk. I gave her my best. It was great to see you when we both knew I meant I hope I never see you again. But y'all, this is not the best part. The best part is that this trick complained to the front desk that they should tell their clients ahead of time that staff, I guess that's me, staff isn't trained in public safety and then demanded her service be free or that she get a free service in the future after I learned the Heimlich maneuver. (laughs) What? I feel like I say that a lot with my clients. I don't know how these people find me, but my God, they always do. Okay, enough of my stories. Let's go ahead and get into the show. I told you I'd warn you, so here's your chance to fast forward through to the funny. Dry content ahead, like saltine cracker dry. This segment is going to make you want water. Now, now, don't get me wrong. The content is useful, at least to me, but, but I don't want you nodding off behind the wheel of your car. Some of the listeners are jonesing to be taken back to theory class, and I'm taking them back there today for a little vitamin C talk. More warning, we'll probably do quite a few ingredient segments this season. People are asking, so I'm going to try to work in the ones that you want to hear about. Um, So it'll be up to you to put in the ear work or just fast forward. I fucking love vitamin C products. I buy way too many of them, and you probably do too. They are just so lovely. Every part of them, texture, I love the viscosity of them, the smell... Except you, C.E. Ferillic. That shit works, but my god, it smells like bacon. Come on, SkinCeuticals. How are you going to do that to this vegetarian? Make it smell like something besides bacon. We buy a lot of them, but how do we know if we're using the best one? The gold standard of topical vitamin C is hands down ascorbic acid. It does all the things and it does them exactly as it should to ensure the best results. It protects against UV damage, it helps with pigmentation issues, and it boosts collagen. Sign me up. Ascorbic acid does have one little tiny thing going against it. It can be quite irritating to people that have, you know, more um, reactive skin or more sensitive skin. Because in order for it to do all of those wonderful things that it does, ascorbic acid has to be kept at a pH of no more than 3.5%. Hence the chance of irritation because you guys know seven is around 7 is neutral. There are other forms of vitamin C on the market. But to be honest, they aren't as effective, uh, but they can be used at a higher pH. So just keep that in mind. Now, let's say that you are trying to sell your client a vitamin C serum, and she wants to know how one tiny little bottle, typically a one ounce bottle, does all the stuff that you said it did. Can you explain it to her? Do you actually know how it does all the stuff it does? I'm always amazed and saddened by the amount of Estes that don't know how their products work. They really don't know anything past what they've seen on someone's IG grid or in their stories or what their skincare company product brochure tells them. I I do understand as a former teacher that theory is very boring. (laughs) I tried my damnedest to make it a little less boring. But there's only so much you can do. And you guys probably slept through the ingredients chapter 
you probably wish you hadn't now. But honestly, you you can't believe everything a company tells you. They'll have you believing that their ingredients were sourced from the left ass cheek of a unicorn. And not just any unicorn, an organic unicorn. There are times when I've contemplated putting together classes on basic things. I think that sometimes we don't feel are important when we're in classes, but they're super important. Things like ingredients, uh, building facials that aren't exactly the facial protocol, understanding what you're seeing in analysis and what you can treat and what you can't treat. You know, basically just teaching people how to wade through the bullshit that floats freely through our industry. Now, I'm not a master at any of it. I'm truly not. The only thing I master is talking shit. But I think my students, when I was teaching, they had a pretty good grasp of all the concepts when they left our school. I didn't give them a lot of choice. If they fell asleep or didn't pay attention during theory, I threw shit at them. And I am not kidding. (laughs) But anyway, let's get back on track. How does vitamin C work? First, you have to know about free radicals. These little crazy bastards are molecules or atoms that has an unpaired electron and they spend their short little lives bumping around the body looking to start shit and steal electrons from paired molecules but most molecules or atoms they they can't just let a free radical take a big bite out of them they need to stay paired to be stable so when a free radical latches on to steal a molecule it turns that stable molecule into a free radical too then that crazy little bastard goes on the hunt for an electron to replace their stolen one. And on and on and on, creating a cascade of cellular damage and death. Now that sounds super dramatic, right? It's like a a zombie outbreak in your body. Well, it kind of is. But don't despair. That is where vitamin C steps in and saves the day. Because guess what? It can give an electron without any damage to itself. Yeah, vitamin C can neutralize free radicals. And you want them neutralized because they cause diseases, disorders, and death. Free radical damage shows up on the skin in the form of those wonderful wrinkles, a skin that's not quite as tight as it used to be. And it also shows up as reactive and sensitive skin. And that is not good. Vitamin C can also help with dark spots. In the simplest of terms, it it stops the enzyme tyrosinase, which is the key component in melanin production. So no tyrosinase, no pigment. Uh, Vitamin C also helps with collagen formation. It's actually a key component and you can't even have healthy connective tissue without its presence. So how easy is that? That's how you explain vitamin C. It donates an electron It shuts down the enzyme that causes melanin, and it is literally a part of the process that makes collagen, that wonderful stuff that keeps us firm and unwrinkled. My clients have learned unless they want a dissertation on the benefits of an ingredient, they don't ask me, but why or but how? Because I'm going to tell them for 15 minutes. (laughs) Sorry, clients. Now, there are a few things to get the most bang for your buck with a vitamin C product, and I think you guys are aware of a lot of these. Ideally, it should be in a dark bottle or, you know, a lined bottle to keep out UV rays. It should also be in a pump, not a medicine dropper. And I know, I feel like every vitamin C is in a damn dropper. It shouldn't be. We should really stop the madness. Constantly exposing it to air, it is going to speed up the oxidation of the product, thus making it a lot less potent a lot quicker. 
and droppers, come on, they are just nasty. It's like skincare's version of the stripper pole. It should also be a true serum type base. When I, and when I say that I'm talking, I am talking about like the viscosity of it. Uh, a creamier base would make it very hard to have that correct pH to be effective. And last but not least, when you're applying a C product, just give it a moment to absorb before layering on other products. So when you apply your C serum, wait, just like 30 seconds, a minute, that's all you need to wait, um, and then apply your other products. So boom, we're done. That wasn't so painful, was it? But wait, there's more. I, I thought it would be fun to compare two vitamin C products by the ingredients that are listed on their labels. First up, we have SkinCeuticals CE Ferulic, and it retails for a, a price tag of $166, and that is for one ounce. On the packaging, it says it remains effective for up to 72 hours, so that simply means that it could be neutralizing free radicals for that amount of time. It has 15% ascorbic acid, 1% vitamin E, 0.5% ferulic acid. It comes in at a pH of 3.5. It is in a true serum formula. And the first three ingredients on the labels are water, ethoxydiglycol, and ascorbic acid. And all ethoxydiglycol is is a cosmetic-grade solvent. Now, I wanted to compare that to, uh, to an OTC brand. Because I know y'all hate OTC. <laughs> I like OTC. I like I like everything, let's be honest. But I wanted to pick one that was pretty popular that I, that I was almost sure that you had heard of. Uh, Drunk Elephant's Sea Firma Day Serum. So let's see how they are side by side. It retails for $80 for one ounce. It also has on its website that it remains effective for up to 72 hours. We have 15% ascorbic acid, 1% vitamin E, 0.5% ferulic acid. It comes in at a pH of 3.3%, and it too comes in a true serum formula. The first three ingredients are water, dimethyl isisorbide, ascorbic acid. Um, and all dimethyl isisorbide is is a high purity solvent and a carrier. Now, did you did you notice anything about those two products by chance? They are almost ingredient for ingredient the same product. The only difference is the price. Now, why? Because consumers will pay it. That's why. Skincare marketing, oh my god, they're like they're like maniacal geniuses. It is one of the most aggressive, smart, manipulative forms of advertising out there. They have a goal. They either scare you or they make you feel superior if you buy their product. In the case of SkinCeuticals, they've gone a step farther. <laughs> they've created an entire category that doesn't actually exist anywhere except in the mind of the consumer and the copy of a graphic artist. The FDA certainly doesn't recognize cosmeceuticals or medical-grade skincare. Medical grade implies that it is something you can only get with a prescription or that it's stronger and therefore better, both of which aren't true. Ingredients are sourced from bulk distributors. And you want to find out where your company buys its ascorbic acid? Well, you can actually hop onto a site called nodi.com and find out exactly that information. It's really easy. And they pretty much all come from the same place. True medical grade ingredients, they have to have FDA approval for efficacy, for safety, 
and for claims. Hence the reason that, um, oh, what's it called? The Persigel. Yeah, Persigel from Clearasil is more medical grade than our CE Ferulic. It's got that lovely box, that drug fact panel on it, and that means that the FDA has deemed in an ingredient in it is medical. It's a drug, and it will physically alter the functions or structures of the skin in some way, good or bad. And no, the ingredients in CE won't penetrate deeper or any other crap that you've been fed. It is marketing, plain and simple. You've all been marketing mindfuck. Now, I'm not bashing any of the medical, and I say that in quotations, uh, grade skincare lines. I love almost all of them, and I use their products pretty regularly. But you as an esthetician should be aware of what is reality and what isn't in this world that you're working in. If you haven't signed up for uh, FDA.gov's notifications to be on their email list, you really should. You, you will, um, you'll be made aware when they send out warning letters to companies about drug claims. Uh, you'll be made aware of uh, recalls on ingredients or products. Um, that way you don't fall for everything that skincare companies use in their marketing. It's just smart. It's the best way to be the best esthetician that you can be. Moving on to spa etiquette. I had a non-esty follower on Instagram reach out and say that after following the account and listening to the podcast, she did not want to be thought of as a Pam. So she had some questions she wanted me to address to make sure that she wasn't on her esthetician shit list. And I can tell you, Fabulous 55 <laughs> you are not a Pam. Pams have zero self-awareness or give a fuck about them. They don't care how people look at them. But her questions did get me thinking, maybe we can use the old podcast for the greater good and spread some spot etiquette to other non-SDs that are out there listening. And by spot etiquette, I mean things that estheticians would like to see happen. It might not be, <laughs> it might not be what everybody thinks of as spot etiquette, but it's what we want to see happen. So I'm going to go through her whole list of questions as the year goes by. And if you think of other things we can tell our listening clients, feel free to send those to me at estitionontheedge at yahoo.com. Okay, here's the first question. Should I shower or not shower before a Brazilian appointment? Seems pretty easy answer to me, right? Well, I thought so too, but <laughs> y'all are always surprising me. My answer though is yes, please be as clean as you can before you come in for a service with us. We'll be working on an area of your body that can emit an odor that will burrow itself into our noses, into our linens, our walls, into the very clothes that we are wearing, and it will hang out for hours. Please, please don't make us smell your unfresh vagina for hours after you leave our spa. You might not even be able to smell your own funk. We do. Think about it. We do become accustomed to the smells that we're surrounded by daily. Uh, we become, what do they call it, nose blind to them. So you might think you smell like roses and daisies, but all we're smelling is day-old roadkill. So for both of our sakes, freshen yourselves. Those wipes on the table, they're not for looks. If we lay them out, use them, even if you think you don't need it. If you want, if you want another wipe, we'll go get one. No problem. Hell, I'll give you an entire box with a smile on my face that you care enough to use it. 
But I did have a lady disagree with me in the comment section of a meme I posted. She said the reason that all of us, I mean all of us estheticians, were having so much problems with things like irritation, uh, ingrowns and all that is because our clients are stripping away all of their natural protection before they wax. And they're doing that by using the wipe. Or by cleaning themselves at home. So she asks them not to shower or clean themselves 12 hours before their appointment. And after their appointment, they can do whatever. They can hike a mountain. They can do hot yoga. They can have sex. Whatever they want. Because in all of her years, and there, if I'm remembering correctly, were about 24 of them. She has never had a client have any irritation, have any ingrowns or reactions to her waxing. Now, do I agree with her theory? Absolutely not. But there's a million ways to do something. And if her way has gotten her through 24 years without anything happening to a client, hey, rock on and keep it dirty. Hell, I can't go two weeks without shit going south and sideways in my room. So I apparently know fuck all anyway. But my answer to Stephabulous underscore 55, just, just be clean. Just use the wipe. How about that? Okay, moving on to our next segment. Who's excited about an SD tool review? I feel like an insincere influencer and one of my own memes when I say this, but you guys have been asking about my favorite tools and products, so here they are. (laughs) God, that hurt to say, but it is true. You guys have been asking. I thought I'd cover one that a lot of us use in our rooms pretty much daily. And the one that I get asked, which do I use or which do I recommend several times a week? And the tool that I'm talking about is the the microneedling pen. Some of y'all are wanting me to tell you it's okay to buy those ones on Amazon. It is not okay. Do not buy those things. You can send me all the reviews you want. No. If you look on the FDA website, Dermapen... <laughs> They've got a warning letter from the FDA, so no. I did have a client bring one in, and I swear to you, it weighed five pounds. It was so heavy, and the cartridge looked like something out of a horror movie. So no, I am not going to okay that. But I have used several pens, the Skin Pen, the Eclipse, the Rejuva Pen. I am currently using the Skin Pen, and without a doubt, it is hands down my favorite microneedling pen ever. When we bought the unit, I want to say it was around 5K. I might be ballparking that low or maybe high. Hell, I can't remember. The cartridges are or were higher than the other other models that I've used, coming in around $63 to $68 each. Uh, the skin pen is very lightweight, but it still feels quite substantial when you use it. And the needle depth is so easy to adjust, and that is not the case with a lot of pens. The Rejuva pen... Oh my God, that was awful, awful trying to adjust that thing with gloves on and serum caked on your gloves. It was awful. It, uh, the skin pen also holds a charge forever. And now to my knowledge, it is the only pen on the market that is FDA approved for microneedling. Now that was the last time that I checked the FDA's website. So if something's changed, let me know. Most of, most of the pens that aren't skin pen. They have registered for approval, but it's pending and has been for years, or it's under review for some reason, which typically means they are not meeting FDA standards thus far. Other pens are still out there, and they are still being used, but if you if you check, for instance, like Rejuva Pen's website, it, it states clearly that that specific pen is approved as a micropigmentation device only, which to me means they can only use it to deposit pigment. 
to the skin. Now, if you know a different definition of micropigmentation, again, reach out, let me know. I love to learn new things, but that's the only thing I've ever associated it with. Now, you might be asking, why does it matter if the FDA approves or disapproves? Well, for one thing, they can come in and pull your damn pen and then you're stuck. You've got like the world's most expensive paperweight. But also, it's all about efficacy and the claims that the pen makes. If it has FDA approval, it means that the needle depth actually goes to the depth it's supposed to. And I don't think that that is the case with other units. I, I can have the same client numbed the same. And yes, I use a very strong compounded numbing cream. I can use two different pens at the same setting. And without fail, the skin pen gets more of a reaction during the treatment and after the treatment. The client also tells me that they feel more, which might not be the best thing. I mean, I know we don't want our clients to feel anything, but it still doesn't hurt. They're just more aware of where I am working on their face or neck or their chest. Um, and I have seen amazing results on the folds and the lines, like the sleep lines on the chest. Oh my gosh, like I had an 80-year-old woman and her chest, it was miraculous how wonderful it looked when I finished with the skin pen. I don't see that with other pens. So if you're looking to invest in a microneedling device, just a, just a regular old simple microneedle, not with radio frequency, I'd go skin pen every single time. Yeah, that was a pretty horrible review, wasn't it? <laughs> it's kind of all over the place, but you get it. I like the damn skin pen. Uh, I'll try to do more reviews, products, tools, etc., and make them a little more, <laughs> a little more cohesive. Also, in the spirit of full disclosure, I will tell you if a company has sent me something uh, for free or if I purchased it with my own money. It doesn't really matter though. I'm, I, I'm still gonna tell you guys if I like it either way. That's just how I am. So that probably means no one will be sending me free shit anytime soon because I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Our last segment of the show, I thought all of us old and jaded estheticians should throw some nuggets of wisdom to our newly licensed or not yet licensed estes. This one is just for me though. And it's so simple and stupid. Y'all are probably going to be telling me to go fuck myself. But I promise you, it makes a huge difference in how I see you. Hell, how we all see you as fellow professionals and how your clients perceive you. Are you ready? Learn how to pronounce the ingredients, names, diseases, the disorders, the tools and equipment that you use and work with as an esthetician. <laughs> it's that simple. I'm telling you here and now, it will make a difference in the products that you sell and how you feel about yourself in the industry. It will build your confidence. Saying resvera, resvera, resvera. It's got resvera something in it. I just can't pronounce it. That will not sell a product for you. It wouldn't sell it to me. And I know for a fact that my clients, hateful asses, wouldn't buy it from you if you don't even know how to pronounce it. It's not C-Rave or Survey. It's CeraVe. It's not Tarte. It's Tart. It's not sources, it's psoriasis. Google is your friend. There are pronunciation dictionaries online. Even skincare companies will post a video of someone using their products and make sure to say the name in the advertising, which is typically the way they want it to be said. The easiest way to step up your SD game is to learn how to pronounce words correctly. If you're an old or a new jaded SD, if you've got some sage advice you'd like to hand down, drop me a line via email. 
Pam, 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 Pam. The time has finally come for our first ever Pam of the Week. And if you think you have a Pam of the Week, please send that to me. Uh, you can DM me or you can send it to me through an email, which I prefer, at estitionontheedge at yahoo.com. But let's get into our first ever Pam of the Week. And it comes to us from call underscore me underscore K underscore dog. That's a lot of underscoring. Call me K-Dog. She says, after almost two years, I had my very first Pam the other day. I'm amazed you, you've gone two years. I can't go two days. She shows up sick and she refused to cancel her appointment. She complained that I wore gloves through the facial, even though she was sick. She demanded that I pluck her brows during a 60-minute facial. She was already late for the facial, and it was a busy Friday, and I was completely booked. The front desk had already told her that there was no time for her brows, and then I told her that I didn't have any extra time for the wax, to which she replied, Well, I didn't ask for a wax. You just need to make my brows look nice. In that moment, call me K-Dog, I probably would have ripped one of her damn brows off. Be careful what you ask for. I explained to her that that wasn't part of her facial service and that, again, I could not fit in a brow shaping. She then proceeded to complain about every single thing. The steamer was too close. The steamer was too far. The towels were too cold. The products didn't smell good. She even tried to tell me the order in which to use them. When she finally left, she only tipped me $8 on a $110 service. I asked the front desk, for the love of God, to never book her with me again. But apparently she was happy with the service. Must be a sadist to enjoy torturing service providers and then poorly tipping. That sounds like a Pam to me. I don't know about you guys. Remember, if you think you have a Pam of the Week drop me an email. That is all the time we have for today. Please keep leaving those five-star ratings, the fabulous reviews, and subscribing to all your friends, all your SD friends, or anyone that's interested in skincare about the podcast and the IG account. I've got more information coming about the Patreon account and some fun merch items you might like to purchase. Thank you for listening, and as always, wishing you a Pam-free week. See you next show.